that building full of grace, I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. This is episode 77 of The Dispatchist, Lust Facts for Kids. <laughs> kids not included. <laughs> That's right. You have to, or, you have to, they're sold separately. <laughs> and with me this week are my fabulous co-hosts, Victoria. Hello. And Jamin. I'm fabulous. Victoria, in your picture today, it looks like you're being kissed by a demon. <laughs> it's it's a new, uh, it's it's my variation on that song by Seal, Kissed by a Rose. Okay, okay. I'm being kissed by a demon. There, I'm sure there's a love song out there about being kissed by a demon. Actually, I don't know if I'm being kissed so much as like... Um, Having your hair teased? Yeah, it's my hair is being zhuzhed by a demon. <laughs> zhuzhed. <laughs> I don't word for the day. Zhuzhed. Are those demons encouraging or punishing? Well, they're, I, I can't tell if they're pulling two people apart or pushing them together. I think they're pushing them together because the people like really surprised. Yeah, and from me. <laughs> there's a lot of, I looked at a lot of paintings depicting lust and there's a lot of surprise in people's eyes. There's one picture of the Immaculate Conception, which is actually the birth of Mary, not Jesus. And it shows oh, right. Joseph standing somewhere near uh, Mary's mother, whose name I can't remember right now, Elizabeth, maybe. And he just looks surprised, like, oh. <laughs> I think that's just everybody's natural state back back in those days. Well, no, it's because the like there was a moment of spontaneous conception enforced by angels. But they weren't actually physically involved with the other Wait. time. Was Mary also immaculate? Mary's mother and father also did not have sex. What? Yeah. Not not to make Mary. I mean, wait, okay, that sounds funny too. They yeah. did not make make and Mary. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm sure y'all know what I was trying to say. Hundred percent do not. No, right. No, I don't it's just know. kind of yeah, it's like the angel just kind of did did a succubus incubus thing between them and, and there was Mary. It happens. That's probably a little blasphemous. I don't know. I is, feel like... is that new for this show? No. I we've talked about that before, and I've heard that from people who actually study divinity. And there is a controversy, but a lot of people who, you know, actually that's their bread and butter, also have pointed that out. That you know what, actually, it's Mary. Yeah, actually, it's Mary. Jesus. No. Well, we're a room full of humanities majors, so you know that that must count for something. Does it? No. <laughs> Certainly not job Yay. opportunities. No. So did anybody bring anything to party this week? I have pizza. Oh, Ooh. God. No more pizza. What kind of pizza? There's a new place up in Round Rock called Pizza uh, Twist. Oh. Okay. Which is very deceptive because it's just regular round pizza. Right. It's flat. Right. I guess that's the uh, twist. Ah, zing. However, uh -huh. they However, do pizza. Uh, Indian pizza. You can get tikka masala pizza. Oh. Tandoori pizza. Okay. We had a Bombay garlic pizza. Oh, yum. That sounds really good. Which we had three. We had the Tikka, the Tandoori. They do a Sog paneer pizza. Mm -hmm. Did they have mm -hmm. a Chicken 65 pizza? 
I, they might, they, they had, they were like, what level of spice do you want it? One, three or five. And they were like, wait, like, it, like no path, no one, maybe two. <laughs> so it's so good. Yeah. We're, we'll be going. India. I wonder if it's related at all to the place here. The, is it Bombay to Kathmandu that also has Indian pizza? That's oh, in you were telling us about yeah, that. It's where the Taj Palace used to be, where they used to have the awesome lunch buffet a long time ago. Mm. But what is Chicken 65? Is that like butter chicken or something? No, no it's, it's, a dry, it's a dry, a dry like cayenne and paprika rub yogurt pizza, pizza, um, chicken <laughs> Yeah. And it's street, street food, and it is, it is very good. Um, you toss it with uh, curry leaves and serve it with rice. And um, the spice level does go go up to as high as Indian food wants to go. But uh, it's mostly like a, a nice tangy yogurt zesty thing with a little bit of burn. Yum. He says nice. He turns it up to burn. It's, oh my... it's murder. Did I tell you guys about the sandwich I invented? No. No. <laughs> Oh, my God. I can't believe I never told you. This is so good. So long story, friends decided we're going to have a, a sandwich tour because there's a history behind that that I'll save for later. But with our at our various houses. And so Eric and I hosted and we each did a sandwich. Mine was the best, I will tell you. OK, so it's Indian. I called it Indian takeaway. So okay. It's tandoori chicken. So okay. all of it is, is sourced pretty much from just ordering Indian food. Yeah, eat, yeah I'm okay with that. Yeah. Right. Because I don't have a tandoori. From, from free range bicycle caterers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So tandoori chicken, a little slices of tandoori chicken on naan, really good naan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Tasty. Then you make a char mayonnaise. Char, do you know what? Do you, do you, do you like a char? So like you, you lightly burn it to the no, edges of the mayonnaise are black? A-C-H-A-R-A-A-R. -A 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 and it's oh, essentially like a... mango pickle. Yeah. Okay. That's a and good so, idea. So I made a mayonnaise <sighs> with that. So it was the naan, the, man, the achar mayonnaise, kale as the crispy vegetable. Okay. And, Which can be surprisingly good. And then a thin slice of paneer kind of like mozzarella <gasps> it's so mm, good that Doesn't actually sound sounds good? really good yeah okay excited to make this for you sometime i just ate and now i'm hungry again <laughs> yeah so yeah because i'm not a huge fan of like spinach leaves like in a salad so ergo the kale i like kale and it kept you know like it held up so someday i'll bring you the sandwiches in the meantime i did bring a cocktail Good, good, good. Yay. <laughs> so no surprise. It's called Lust. Oh. Yeah. Kind of kind of fits. I'm a little bit surprised. I know. So it's two ounces of bourbon, uh, three quarter ounces of simple syrup, a splat a splash of peach schnapps, a splash of peach schnapps. Peach schnapps, okay. Peach schnapps. Uh -huh. Okay. A, sp a spatch of quiche. A spatch of quiche. A spatch cocked quiche. Knobs. <laughs> <laughs> Two ounces of fresh lime juice, one egg white, and a dash of Angostura bitters. So you uh -huh. combine all in a shaker. Shake, it says dry shake vigorously. So I guess that means without ice. Yeah, I guess it, I've never heard that dry shake. Ooh, That's a but, new one on me. So the egg white 
like you're supposed to whisk it and it makes it foamy and creamy, right? Yes. Uh-huh. But you yeah. shake it, not whisk it. Right. So you shake it. Yeah, because it doesn't say whisk the egg white previously. Combine all ingredients. Oh, so so uh, apparently, apparently egg white drinks require a dry shake. Oh, okay. Because it wouldn't uh, whip with ice, right? Yeah, something right. like that. Right. Uh, okay, so dry shake your dry shake vigorously. Then add ice and shake again. Strain into glass and add bitters. Garnish with a fuzzy peach candy, which I have no idea what if, but where one gets a fuzzy peach one, candy. One picks one up off the carpet. I was like, <laughs> is the candy fuzzy or is the peach fuzzy? See, it's unclear. This is this is uh, this is why um, an editor would have been good for this. But, uh, but yeah, so that's how you make a a lust cocktail. I feel like there's a much simpler recipe for a lust cocktail, which is uh, one glass of uh, Coke. Oh, but you have to add um, some little white lies (laughs) (laughs) or baking soda. (laughs) Well, I brought some entertainment Mm -hmm. Uh, being stuffed into a flaming red hot white hot oven and Mm -hmm. made to endure a towering and depraved endlessly gnawing lion who chants forever. (laughs) <laughs> what is he chanting? Is he just going, oh, we, oh, we, oh, we, I think it's, uh, it's like, ooh, ooh, like the disco chant thing. What? Yeah, like that. Yeah. I do like wow. the red hot, white hot oven. That it's a red me, hot, yeah. white hot oven. Hey, make up your mind, oven. I know, right? <laughs> but, but that sounds like a disco song, you know, like. Red hot. What? What? Yeah. No, I see that oven, mm-hmm. which is a <laughs> reference to like a butt. I, I think. Just have uh, Fred Schneider's like oven every so often. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, do we have any hell news this week? Oh, uh, I have some. It's kind of well. It's not new. Well, yeah, it's news because it's very appropriate. Okay. So everybody's favorite Pope, Pope Francis. Right. Yay. He had an audience with uh, Wednesday general audience held in the Vatican's held at the Vatican. This was in January. The story is from the 17th of January. Okay. Before the uprising. (laughs) Yes. So uh, he was all about how lust pollutes love. (sighs) Love is what we should be going for. Pure love, not polluted by vice. So he does not condone the sexual instinct, saying that falling in love is one of the most beautiful and tender experiences. And he says love should be unconditional, beyond reason. Love has patience. So you don't want to ruin that with lust because there are two reasons why Mm -hmm. lust is dangerous. Is the first Mm -hmm. reason because I, the Pope, said so? Probably. He's infallible. Did he take his little Pope stick and say, make it so? (laughs) Thou shalt not pass. (laughs) So I want to hear about this no lust relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. sorry. What are two two, reasons? Two reasons that lust are so dangerous. It destroys relationships between people and it can rob individuals of their freedom. There's some stuff that I learned about that talks a little bit about freedom, but destroys relationships between people. And if it's not disciplined with patience, it can, so the whole thing about destroying relationships, if it's not tempered by 
all of the other things that you need. You know, little Parmesan love. cheese. Exactly. A fuzzy peach candy. Then or, or it, or can, the carpet. <laughs> it can turn into a chain that oh, that's hot. can <laughs> deprive humans. What? So hold that I'm thought. Not, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be getting <laughs> from this. Hold that thought. Hopes with chains. You know, I already have been like listing stigiophilia on my like interest list lately, and this is going to make it worse. So say that again. What is it? Listrophilia? Stigiophilia? Oh, stigiophilia? Stigio is a... Uh... Stygian depths. Yes. It's a sexual fetish for hell. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I not know this? Oh, well, you you forgot when I told you last time. When did you tell me? When I, the second I discovered the word. When he said, check out my Amazon gift list. Yes. Oh, because I never looked at his Amazon If you're looking for Christmas presents. Wait, it's like, it's it's a kink. It's a kink for hellfire, condemnation, demons, uh, flagellation even might be in there as well. We played right into his podcast. I'm sorry. It's... So this is this is all just a kink for you. At this, it has yeah. become. It has okay. become after three years. Wow. Well, at least we've got that going for us. Yeah. So it's all you know. He's all about love. Lust destroys love. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Said said by the eighty year old celibate priest. But wait, yeah. no. He. I question. I questioned his ethos. He's a, this one's this one's a Jesuit, right? He's from Argentina. Francescan. Wait, what happened to the one from Argentina? I don't know. He's the one, isn't he the one with the the Prada shoes? Yeah, well, he yes. was the one who got kind of he left. Francis early. Francis is a Francescan, believe it mm -hmm. or not. Is it so? It's on the box. Yes. <laughs> did we did we change popes again? And I forgot to keep count. Like fifteen years ago, gentlemen, keep no. up with it. Who was from Argentina? Pope Pope. Um, Duco? He looked like the emperor from uh, Palpatine. Pope Palpatine. No, Garp. He looked like Palpatine. Had, <laughs> okay. If only we had a way to look this up. <laughs> I know, right? And it's Pope Benedict. <laughs> yeah, and he was the one with the Prada shoes who yes, he was. was not a popular pope and no. left. He was ill, right? So he left. Right. The popery. Yes. Um, Popatorium. The Popatorium. Mm -hmm. uh, can I read you a nice, uh, quote that kind of sums all this up? Okay, but I'm going to make fun of it. Okay, so winning the battle against lust can be a lifelong endeavor. But the prize of this battle, this is the quote, but the prize of the battle is the most important of all because it is preserving the beauty that God wrote into his creation when he imagined love between man and woman. Mm. Mm, yeah, mm. God, God did not invent the sex drive mm. then is what we're no. saying here. I don't and, like... Or, and also it's between This drives me up the wall. I, I'll, I'll let that one slide. He's Catholic. And then, because right now, like, as we're speaking, he's being pilloried for, like, endorsing, like, blessing gay marriages. So, yeah, I think he was playing to the crowd here. Yeah. Um, that beauty that makes us believe that building a story together is better than going on adventures. Cultivating um, tenderness is better than bowing to the demon of possession. Serving right. is better than conquering. Hmm. I just I just don't know. I'm not I, I don't 100 percent agree. Okay, that's fine. You can disagree yeah. with the Pope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I'm, I'm not Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. But yeah, so so it was pretty timely. Pope talking about lust, um, lust in the news. I have a little lust thing. Lust on was, the wind. 
I have a little thing I was kind of excited Mm -hmm. by, a new book by Anthony Grafton called Magus, The Art of Magic from Faustus to Agrippa. How uh, that name? Faustus or Agrippa? I think that's Grafton. 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 Maybe you've talked about him before. Um, I saw that book, but it sounds He's a humanities professor, and it might have just come up before. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this is about magic in like the early grimoire age, and it sounds really neat. I'm looking forward to it. It's got a lot of pictures, apparently. And right. um, the article on The Guardian mentions uh, it examines the uneasy, the often uneasy, sometimes beneficial three way relationship between religion, science and magic. Oh, so that's a there's a polycule. Yes. Or a, um, yeah. Yeah. A yes. polycule for polymath. A thruple. A thruple. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So I have a, I have an, this is actually something I think about a lot, Jacob, how on earth do you read as much as you do? Cause I can, I can't keep up. I know I've, I've said this. I read every 75th word. <laughs> you, you do have kind of a speed reading process, right? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for like kind of funny things or quirky mm-hmm. things or interesting things. So I can skip a lot of stuff. I'm just looking for like, you know, the slide whistle or the banana on the floor. <laughs> theologically speaking the theological banana Ooh. on the floor <laughs> i like the theological slide whistle <laughs> okay that makes me feel better Amen. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that would be yeah like a a clown clown sourced mass yeah also i have a huge pile of books that i'm only paged on page 60 out of all of them okay okay that helps. I just feel like, yeah. Anywho, that's a that's for another time. Um, mm. 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 Uh, speaking mm. of books, yes, yeah. I guess we each need to get a copy of Snug Snugness. If we're going to write notes, <laughs> do, do, do not. No, I, I think we should use like the one copy and like jointly share notes in it, so we can. Oh, have a, yeah, so we can like share our our note journey with our friends. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Oh, well, anyway, as we are doing a, a workshop, a workshop, a, a, a comedy sketch, I'm not sure which uh, in May oh, on the, the vision of Tundal, which is a long time coming. I've been wanting to do this one since day one. Yes. And we'll do in yeah. Canada. <laughs> I know we've got a whole I don't know. We're never going to run out of topics. True. We're never going to run out of topics. No, no. no. So but this is exciting. It's very well, probably, exciting. But I think it's even more exciting that we're going to wrap up the seven deadly sins together before then. Oh, yeah. But then there's a whole lot of other sins we can talk about. The less deadly sins. Yeah. Making fun of zoo animals. <laughs> <laughs> there's a crab and there's a crab. <laughs> yes. I just looked up slide whistles on Amazon. <laughs> and they they also have, you know, the, the slide whistle candy. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, uh, the, the bon 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 you blow on. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so what if before the panel, one of us just went out in the crowd and handed them out and like audience participation is appreciated? Oh, yes. <laughs> right. That's a fine idea. It could be like a, a a drinking game, but without drinking and with whistles. Yeah. It's like anytime you think one of our jokes is dumb, blow the whistle. Mm hmm. Okay, I think that's a great plan <laughs> because we need to in the um in our introduction to Tyndall Tundall, be like guys, this is going to be a theological slide whistle. Please help yourself. Maybe we can get them uh, branded. You know, have like oh yeah, the dispatches slide whistle. 
That totally makes all kinds of sense. Let's do it. I mean, it makes it makes more sense than a lot of things that we've done. <laughs> so one of our listeners uh, gave us a little tidbit that I hadn't known before. Mm. He was on the website ZWE. Oh. M.E.R. Center, which I think is an Islamic resource site. And from there, he got uh, from the uh, article, 10 Things Muslims Believe About Sin. He got a list of the seven deadly sins as interpreted by uh, Islam. Oh, Oh. Mm -hmm. and they're different. Fairly different. Uh, Number one, shirking or adding partners to God, they say, which I'm not quite sure what that means. I'll look that up later. Magic, murder, usury. Mm-hmm. That's cruelty to bears, right? Yeah, I think I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, despoiling orphans. <laughs> so does that mean spoiling them by giving them slide whistle candy and then taking it back? I think it just, just means spoiling like them? stealing from them, I think, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fleeing from a battle. Fleeing from a battle, sure. What? Yeah. what? Just let it go, Jamin. <laughs> Wait, but then I will have... I know. No, and... I, no let me die on this hill. And the real clincher, the the stop the stop the stop the press one, uh, false charges of adultery. Okay, so it's not the adultery, right? It's the false adultery is not a sin, right? Right. Okay. See, okay. there's a trick. There's, there's a trick here. Mm-hmm. That is that if false charges of adultery are are a deadly sin, it is a deadly sin functionally to complain about adultery of your spouse. Oh, it's it's it's, it's it, yeah it's it's a uh, womanist like citizen thing. Wow! Yeah, you're kind of screwed no matter what. I know, right? Yeah, because if it's true, then you got then like, adultery, okay. and if yeah, it's then false, you then you have to accept it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so okay. also, if it's men making the accusation, kind of like with a witch trial, I bet they're, you know, they're for sure making it a true instance of adultery. So the woman, so he doesn't get punished. It's not a sin for him, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, yeah, adultery is not. Well, OK, no, it doesn't. We are not saying that adultery is not a sin. We are saying it is not a deadly sin. Right. It's, it's yeah. a fine distinction. I, 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 I agree. Hmm. OK, let's go back to two or three murder. Mm-hmm. In the seven deadly, the seven deadly we had before is murder a deadly sin? I don't murder think is it is. In in um, no, but wrath is right, which the, I think implies murder. What if does, you murder them in cold blood? Uh, what if still, you're calm? I think it's still implied. Uh, I did I did mathematically work out the worst case scenario of this. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, forcing someone to take out a high interest finance loan to pay you for casting a love spell on an orphan. Not giving God the credit he's due for the spell and running away from the customer when they plan to murder you for saying they endorse your love spells. Oh, okay. Okay. So. No, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's all in one go. Yeah. There's a, yeah. there's a whole mess of stuff there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's right. a complicated sin for complicated mm-hmm. times. Although to mm-hmm. be fair, like if you accomplish this, then you've done the worst you can and any future action you take is pointless so you might as you're well be free yeah you're home free mm-hmm. well again you, you 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 i think you can always repent like that that, that, that is something that tundale tells us actually i have been really excited by the amount of universalism in tundale by the way oh okay i'm excited yeah. by that what oh so is this like the sin version of an egot yes 
<laughs> I'll just say, always say yes. Always agree. Because do you know, do you know the phrase no. EGOT? Oh, of, of course, but we should define it for the listeners at home. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's, uh, there are a few, it's, it's all about uh, awards. And so you've got an Emmy, oh, right, an Emmy right, right. a Grammy, an Oscar. And a Tony. And a Tony. Right. Yeah. So you yeah, created the... the sin version of an EGOT. Yes. That makes mm-hmm. slightly more sense now that you revealed it to me. <laughs> so I have a question. Why mm-hmm. is our episode titled Love Facts for Kids? That seems a little. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. A little, a little sus. Well, who better if somebody is going to be trying to despoil them mm-hmm. than to know all about lust? Okay. Now, I, as is my way, I like to see how these things are being uh, taught to children. Uh-huh. Everything that we talk about, because lo and behold, Everything <laughs> needs to be talked about to kids. Everything. There are all kinds of websites on how to talk to kids about all kinds of things. Worms. Uh, specifically, if worms. you're homeschooled. <laughs> yes. How do you talk about worms to homeschooled children? Um, so I did a little uh, a little Googling for my looking at uh, educational materials about yes. lust. And I encountered two particularly impactful videos. Can I say I did go to love facts for lust facts for kids and I don't understand what happened because like immediately there was a purple blob trying to teach me math facts. And I really got, got very confused. Yeah, it is. A, it's confusing. I don't know if this actually helps kids or just makes them want to uh, do their own research potentially because none of it makes sense. Do it on your um, work computer. Yeah. <laughs> But the first one that I found, The Sin of Lust, uh, essentially, it's all about how women are bad. Like, that's essentially the lesson. Don't oh, need was to the know little, this. The little yeah. sing-along one. Yes. Um, so that mm-hmm. one had a weird image in the background. I mean, it had a lot of weird in it. It was basically just like a video about sin for the most part. But like uh-huh. when they got to prostitution, there was this weird, creepy Five Nights at Freddy's thing. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't understand. It was... I think it was Cliff Art, like who somebody who didn't actually know anything about lust. Yeah, so it's just these like kids with circles under their eyes and uh uh uh, uh Freddie Fazbear stuffy. <laughs> Which they also didn't know about. They're like, I found this image online, and it looks creepy, I'm going to use it. Right. It was, I mean, it was creepy. Yeah. And who knows, the person who did that research may, that may have been their particular kink, uh, right? Research. So lust, yeah. May have been, I don't know. But uh, so all you, women you, are bad. You know that Five Nights at Freddy's is a great many people's kinks. <laughs> I still haven't seen that. I know, like, I only know about it because Spirit mm, Always has costumes. It's fiercely mediocre. Okay. Fiercely, yes. I mean, so if, that, you know, know your lane, right? Yeah. So that was the sin of lust, children's morning worship. Yes, children's, On, yes. And okay. my favorite, though, we've watched a couple of other videos. Right. They're from very series. insightful. Uh, it's children's time. With children's the woman time. <laughs> kids' object lessons. <laughs> with this uh, woman who uh, is from the Salvation Army. Uh-huh. And she has... These ill-fated experiments explaining the sins. So lust versus purity opens with Devon. And I I saw Devon. I did a little dark, dark haired, 
dark-eyed mm-hmm. child aspiring actor Devin is do- all about little little doughy theater uh-huh. um, and i just thought Devin, 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 what have you done to star in a lust versus purity video mm-hmm. from the salvation army building a cv man he's going I for guess. that he got I guess. <laughs> <laughs> next hamilton <laughs> Well, th- this one, more so than some of the things you've sent, made me immediately uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> lust is a craving. Like, you really want to do this. Um, <laughs> desire for a thing usually has a cost to others and always has a cost to your soul. <laughs> but the one that really kind of freaked me out was when she said, it could be looking at images that are not pure. Adults, <laughs> this is more for you. <laughs> I also like that she's referring to sticky notes the whole time. Like she has this little stack of sticky notes that she's using (laughs) as cue cards. (laughs) Like, I think this whole, I don't know. I don't know how on the up and up she is. I think she just shows up at like pro-yo places, grabs a kid, (laughs) and then like stealth films these weird experiments. Yeah. Well, I'll point out the effect shot soon on this okay. one. Uh, so Jeffrey brings up a jar and says, the jar is a human being, which, uh, again, I'm, I'm really into my discomfort level. <laughs> and then they pour Coke into the human being jar because Coke represents sin because it's black and lust is dirty. Yes, it's it's dark. It's dark and dirty. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it is. Bubbly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so the experiment. Mm-hmm. is well okay so right away you see we're pouring coke into a closed container so you kind of know the direction this is going to go mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. gets a small packet of little white lies which is what do you think that what do you think that substance is cocaine yes it's totally cocaine right uh-huh. i would have guessed mentos uh, and, and she and she pours <laughs> it in and mm-hmm. nothing happens <laughs> But they all do get away just in case something does happen, but nothing happens. Okay. This is something that I did not notice, but you pointed out to me because I thought, oh, something does happen. No, nothing happens until now. Remember, this is about lust and lies. The person running this quote experiment, unquote, edits herself out of the shot while she leans over and pours something else into the into the the lust pot. (laughs) But you see her shadow. It's like really just screamingly obvious what happened there. And then it explodes. I'm going to have to go back and look at that because I totally missed it. I was so focused on the the white lies. Yeah. Just like that's how they get you. (laughs) Victoria, you know that we're supposed to be focusing on how to make fun of these things. (laughs) You missed a cue. I, I really wanted to know what happens when you throw little white lies into sin and Nothing. then you you have a, an explosion that needs to have frankie goes to hollywood behind it church needs to stir things up a little bit first or it doesn't work <laughs> that's See? my takeaway so those two things are totally fine until the church gets involved is this the message of of the sin of lust i think it is absolutely did you see when they End came of episode back? man <laughs> <laughs> did you well, see I... they came hat that there was the kid uh, said something about like, well, there was an explosion and then they have the empty glass there with like what looks like burn marks around it. Yeah, there was some sort of chemical reaction. It might have like phoned up an acid or something like that, but it was like a three part thing, not a two part thing. 
I want to know what she put in there now. Lust. <laughs> put in lust. Lust all over the table. Lust burns the furniture. <laughs> lust is really hot. We established that. Oh, lust is hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Actually, I think all of our research led to if we just actually removed the sex from lust. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, this is kind of this entire thing was kind of a disappointment. I just ended up like, scene. yeah, I just ended up like screaming. I went straight from lust to wrath. Yeah, I Aww. thought this would be easy. I really was like, oh, this, yeah. I thought this would be hot. I thought it'd be funny. None of the above. None of it. Badly none. I think we just described all of our personalities right there. Yeah. Wait, are you? Hmm. Victoria. <laughs> what? That was a great unkindness of Victoria's there. <laughs> About our personalities? I was kidding. I, I, banter is my love language. No, I, I, I love it. I, like, I accept. I was not prepared for that, but I, I accept that wholeheartedly. So shall we try and define lust at this point? Are we ready? <sighs> it's super frustrating again. Like this okay. is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I feel like the Bible pretty much establishes lust as a sin of the body. Yes. Uh, involving fornication. Maybe. Of course, the lust does not, the body, the Bible, <laughs> the Bible does not have the seven deadly sins. That's a 500 year 500 edition. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of talk about fornication, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's kind of taken at first to be like what lust, lust means, you know, this over desire for sex that separates you from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I have over and over again told, told this to people discussing like my own spiritual practices, which is I don't want to worship anything I don't want to sleep with. Oh. So that does so lust in this case does not separate you from God. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we're talking about Christianity and we're talking about I was going to read an article about this, but then I ran out of time. But <laughs> so Christianity has kind of not only borrowed from Judaism and its ideas, but also goes against potentially Judaism mm-hmm. and its understanding of like sensual pleasures of lust yeah, there like is that, that like the, pleasure the, is bad yeah. in christianity not necessarily in judaism right? yeah the song of solomon has like you were like my lovely love gazelle in it. <laughs> uh-huh and I so know, i don't know what that means i have theories no but i mean and, and there are readings of the bible that liberal christians have and I, I i have a little bit about this but that there is this you know there's a lot of sensuality in the bible it's just mm-hmm. that for what you know, for a gazillion reasons, that kind of gets removed. That gets sort of elided, you know. Yeah. So, um, but but there's a lot of sexy times in the Bible and in romantic language, like romantic love is in the Bible. One of the main emphases of the medieval period, so mm-hmm. far as like clergy goes, was kind of building up the family unit as the foundation of the feudal system. Mm-hmm. So it's not a surprise that a later interpretation of lust is anything that's against your, like sex outside of marriage, basically, is a, mm-hmm. is a deadly sin of lust. And kind of by extrapolation, like weird sex of any sort, as, to, as you know, the kind you're not taught in Sunday school is also lust. Yeah. So, okay. So, so thinking about this a little bit more, there are a lot of reasons to have sex. Not all of them have to do with procreation and not all of them have to do with base needs So when I was or, in high school, like when I was desire. In, when I was in high school sex class, there was some conversation of like whether sex was like healthy or unhealthy. And someone said, it's aerobic. <laughs> so, that stopped the class. <laughs> yes. I mean, and this is sort of a modern idea put on, you know, um, 
early Christianity and bef- and yeah, early Christianity because we sex really like there's no such thing as lust until Jesus comes into the picture, right? Or you know, um, but he is pretty yeah. hot. You can <laughs> totally lust without Jesus's help. <laughs> I don't know, but is he it is lust? Uh, what is it? The um, oh, the movie about the Lodan uh, possession, right? The the devils. There's a whole lot of Jesus, sexy Jesus stuff in there. That's really uncomfortable. Um, but well, Reefer Madness, the movie. <laughs> and I mean, there's a yeah, like it's sort of accepted that. You know, a lot of, okay, just like, you know, young girls are always, like the stereotype is every young girl, like preteen, tweens are into horses. They're also into Jesus. If you ever, if you went to church, if you're Catholic, if you had, you know, Jesus is kind of the first guy you think is hot. Okay. Pretty much. He, I mean, he he usually, sometimes he's kind of wayfish, but like a little heroin chic thing happening. Oh, totally. But he usually is pretty hot in, in yeah. like a, in like a white guy surfer sort of way. Yeah, like hippie, like especially yeah. in my youth, it was the sort of hippie appeal of like, oh, yeah, he's very kind of just like the Jesus Christ superstar Jesus, right? Jesus yeah. Jesus with the VW minibus. <laughs> yeah, well, that is the Jesus Christ superstar. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there are a lot of reasons to have sex that have nothing to do with anything nefarious or procreative. Like, you know, there are medicinal reasons to have sex masturbation i think what our uh salvation army friend was putting into that jar that is a human was was shame oh powdered shame powdered yes. shame which because, makes something yeah. erupt in lust because <laughs> it does seem like shame is the thing well shame is definitely the foundation of most kinks i was gonna shame so, plus lust equals kink yeah mm-hmm. it's true and, um which is a terrible thing to do to a coke um yeah so should we go back to talking about desire (laughs) well i will i will say since we're briefly on the bible i will say that the adultery of the heart thing i was surprised that actually has a biblical uh source in in the letters of paul we i mean letters of Mm -hmm. paul are like not be careful i would be careful i wouldn't dance with them Mm. um but um uh, but I say to you that everyone who looks on at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Like, yes. Uh, I was surprised right. that was in there. It's also like that's like church moving the goalpost sort of thing to my, my mind. This does include coveting, right? This is under coveting as lust. No, well, envy is its own category. And that's probably the closest word for coveting. But you can covet your neighbor's ass, I think. Right. Which okay, is donkey. So in the in the 10, it's like thou shalt not covet. Thy, your neighbor's wife, right? Uh, is that envy or lust? Neither. I mean, this is kind of like a, or both. I don't know. It's kind of a, it's not a deadly sin. Deadly sins are 500 BC, AD. Okay. Ten Commandments are 500 BC-ish, thereabouts. So here's a bit, you bring up a very good point, which is there's this Venn diagram of the sins, right? Like yeah. it's hard to parse them all out because if you think of lust, not necessarily having to do with desire because okay desire is kind of necessary for us to have procreative sex right um consensual procreative sex you have to desire each other to to do it Mm -hmm. or to do it effectively really 
it's maybe the excess of that that creates it, that makes it tip into sin category, which gets us into gluttony. And so all of those things are under the umbrella of taking you further away from God because it's idolatry. You're sort of focusing on filling a hole (laughs) with something that's not God. And when you're doing these things, specifically sex, you are not praying. You can't think. You're 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 focused on your own pleasure, the other person. So even romantic uh, love in that case okay. becomes sin. I, I knew that there were regular connections between idolatry and lust, and I didn't mm-hmm. really understand why. I'm, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I can understand why, but I have I have, as I said, stigiophilia. But um, <laughs> but um, I it was it was surprising that was actually a direct connection, and uh, I'd assumed it was like because of like the sexual connotations of the worship of foreign gods but ah. you've got a, you have a better idea a, a less like obscene idea yeah i think it has everything to do with i think at the root of all of this is anything that takes you further away from god or prevents you from having god on the mind right is a deadly sin because i mean thinking about the inferno like he doesn't deal with the seven deadlies in the inferno he deals with them in purgatorio but mm. all of those things, like this, they take you further away from God, right? That's mm-hmm. the whole point. Um, so you made a face when I said that he deals with the the seven deadly sins. Oh, because the seven circles of hell are also based on the. It's true. The deadly yeah. sins, but he made made in less ambiguous terms, perhaps. I don't know. I think. Well, this is why we need to read it. I don't. I, I'm well. Mm, yeah, eventually, <laughs> it's okay. on the to do list. Okay. Anywho. Um, uh, so, okay. So my, my, my mashup sin for the moment is I am very proud of the money I've hoarded to pay for sex. <laughs> but uh, a lot of sex. Okay. Gluttony. Yeah. You need gluttony in there. Okay. That works. I can't get to all seven on that one. It's easier uh, when, the, when they kind of collapse on themselves more easily. So I, how does Sleepy and Doc figure into that? It's um, <laughs> easy. <laughs> Which deadly sin is sneezy? I think sneezy is less. <laughs> That's a very good question. What is sneezy? Sloth. No, sleepy sloth. No, sleepy mm-hmm. sloth. Sneezy is cocaine. Which is little white lies. Oh. Right. Okay, sure. Uh-huh. I, I had a huge just challenge facing this topic, this episode. Yeah. And that is that you know, in just in defining lust, the church moves the goalpost over and over and over again, like it's tap dancing or something like that. Like every time they lock something down, they change it to where uh, some other impossible thing is. So like lust of the soul or finally, like the deadly sin of wanting something too much. Well, legitimately, <laughs> yeah. like you could want to punish yourself for Jesus so much that it's a deadly sin using that logic. Mm-hmm. And it, it really was very frustrating. But I have to kind of any all the deadly sins to some degree, but lust is the worst about it. And lust is also like it's a sin you can accidentally commit. It's a sin you can commit without doing anything. It's and a you're sin asleep you, even. It's a sin you can commit while simultaneously trying your best to avoid physically committing the sin. That is insanity. But after we talked to Vet, about Vedicson last week, I kind of came to a, a better place in myself, which is that fundamentally all sin we are all sin everything is sinny mm. and of all of them lust is like the commonality sin that everybody has particularly since they keep broadening it so you know thinking about sex okay what 
weird little person exemplar they have has not thought of sex at all. Even Augustine, you know, is like evils of kids. Like, even, you know, even like in 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 the womb, children commit sexual acts. <laughs> so like Monkeys. this is yeah, mm-hmm. this is the one that is is just impossible to escape. And then they broaden it to where it is literally impossible to escape. Uh, so to my mind, maybe this is just the way of saying, you know, ultimately we're all sinners and we all need a redemption path, which I think is a little bit easier than just like pointing at lust and saying thou shalt not. Right. You can't not. So it's like a great equalizer sin in some regards. It's true because there is. Okay. So thinking about like, okay, so there are different, there's so many different camps here because <laughs> mm. there's the camp of, okay, shame makes this a sin, but you have to have shame to avoid sin. Well, right? you cannot. You cannot have shame without God if we go back to Genesis. Right. And so there are a lot of, uh, let's say, the Cynics and the Stoics and particularly Diogenes and his student. Uh, it's spelled it's spelled crate, but I'm sure that's not <laughs> how you say it. Had a belief like, OK, so shame is the problem. Sex is not a sin if you have no shame. And if you have no shame, then you can masturbate or have sex in the public and it's okay. So Mm -hmm. there's these extremes of like, you can't, you have to flagellate yourself anytime you have an impure thought to no, you can have sex with your wife in the public square. It's fine. Hmm. So I forgot where I was going with that. Except that, yeah, like, like you said, the goalposts keep shifting. Everybody has different ideas. The thing about excess to me kind of sticks a little bit better. Because that was a Vedic idea, but also, you know, that, I don't know, it kind of, even though I don't agree with it, (laughs) it kind of makes a little bit more sense to me. Like, okay, so anything in excess that takes you completely away from God, to me, makes more sense as a sin. Yeah. Have you, the answer is no. Have you seen the movie Ultra Christ? No. (laughs) (laughs) I knew the answer was no. (laughs) It's a low budget movie where Jesus comes to Earth and becomes a superhero. And he Mm -hmm. has like Mm -hmm. the standard Superman slate of powers, including the ability to see through anything to find evildoers. But that that power is thwarted because it cannot be used to see through sin. And Mm -hmm. there is so much lust in the world that he cannot see through anything at all. Also, he's kind of a hottie, so there's that self-fulfilling prophecy there. So, according to the NIV translation of um, some Bible passage, one should learn to control your body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who does not know God. So, right there is this assumption that lust is something that Christians have kind of adopted as a sin because the heathens don't acknowledge it as such. Ah, one One of the big punchlines of Ultra Christ is in order to battle Satan, Jesus has to undeclare lust to sin. Mm. Which A, creates a giant party, but B, lets him like see the criminals that are truly causing problems. That's interesting. But my head hurts. Right. It's that kind of movie as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have something to say about pagans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that was from yeah that was from thessalonians actually was where that was from okay because there's uh something about augustine that 
strongly is pagan influenced. Should um, we just go there? Because there is no order today. Oh, well, I want to. I have. Um, we can just, be pagan for a minute. <laughs> can I talk? Just say one, a couple, like one more thing about excess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then, <laughs> Don't talk about- <laughs> and then I, have, I have some kind of adorable stories about how like lust can be kind of transformed like uh, in defense of lust. Okay. But, so just one more thing about excess. What? <laughs> I promise I'm going to really rein it in because I know you guys are going to shame me. So this also, again, all women are bad, right? And women cannot do anything right. Um, specifically, they cannot have any sort of ecstatic vision. Ma, because... what year is this? <laughs> well, this shows up a lot when we were talking about gluttony, how there's a sense of like St. Teresa and all of these uh, nuns who had these ecstatic visions were actually criticized because of the excessiveness of those visions, like the, the excessiveness of their reaction, the excessiveness oh. of the drama surrounding it. Oh, for heaven's sake. Et cetera, et cetera. But that also comes to the, the chosen method of depicting these visions and these transformations is through sexual pleasure. So that's the only motif that seems to make sense for these. So that's, you know, you have all of these depictions of St. Teresa, like, and clearly kind of this you know, a static, sexually ecstatic. Oh, being response. like trans, trans, transpired by a spear. Yes, yes, exactly. So this goes back to this uh, Eric from the Saint podcast. Yeah, call out. Uh huh. And the whole the presentation that he gave to Morbid Anatomy about this very thing. But again, that's that moment of gluttony, lust, and women being bad <laughs> all come together because we are the reason why, like, we cause lust, right? Where the whole that we we are why less you know men certainly never lusted after anything but women ever in the history of time specific you know certainly not in Greek culture so we're bad. I found an article on like long forgotten fetishes, and one of them was <laughs> specifically lusting after the statues, the Greek statues, which were frequently on street level. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. this seems like a very Reader's Digesty kind of article, <laughs> like sort of a, you know, nostalgia for uh, kinks oh, gone by. <laughs> it was Scientific American. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's really interesting. I, my, my favorite sexologist, Jesse Baring. Oh, Jesse Baring. I've never heard of Jesse Baring. Oh, he, yeah, he wrote the uh, he wrote uh, Why is the penis shaped like that? and perv another children's book yes <laughs> um i found i found per- perv to be kind of a downer it had a lot of like he was at the same time he was writing perv which is like about paraphilias he was writing a book on suicide so clearly his mind is in some like really dark places and that kind of shows in perv why is the penis shaped like that is pretty fun it's a collection of his essays from scientific american wow yeah 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 now you know <laughs> so it's kind of like i don't know all i can think about is like songs children's books like who put the what is it who put the womp in the bump yeah <laughs> who put the wham and the whamma lamma bing bong have we have we quoted woodside bible church before no i feel like <laughs> we, I, I feel like we have uh, i want to read an extract from their article about lust because okay. like i think the medievals would just find it terribly amusing 
Woodside Bible Church. The tricky thing about sexual lust is that this objectification can be conducted in the privacy of our own minds and no one will be the wiser. Pornography and masturbation are certain are perfect examples of this. Sure, there may not be evident harm done, but we are still actively using the body of another person for our own pleasure. We're demeaning another image bearer of God, mentally lessening their value and ours to some of its parts. That's why God hates this sin so much. Not only does it make a mockery of his creation, it perverts the holiness of God, sending the message that sex is only is about individual gratification rather than a beautifully intimate demonstration of selfless love. Hmm. Desire, like jealousy, can either be good or bad, depending on the object towards which is directed. Lust, like envy, is always bad. Lust is the illegitimate desire for something to which we are not entitled, which means it is actually impossible for me to lust after my wife, as I to her am entitled. Wait. Oh. That is, a, I mean, there's, there's so many lies there. I was just going to say, like, does that mean you're entitled to your wife? And I guess it does. Like, I don't even have to ask that. Well, yeah. That's why, I, yeah. You know, your, your wife cannot tempt you. And also, if, I mean, I think that this is still the case in many states where it's not rape if it, if the person if your victim is your wife. Ooh, yeah, yeah, we just went uh, to a really dark place. I think I think we did. Um, I mean, all of this kind of for me just kind of reminds me that defining the term is a rhetorical fallacy, and yeah. that's that's like over and over again what we're doing here. We're so, putting the okay. phallus in fallacy. <laughs> What's it shaped like? What is um, the fallacy shaped like that? So I thinking more about the whole distance from God thing, because you also brought up like this is the sin that God hates the most. That shows up a lot. Like why? Uh, really? It, 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 I mean, that does show up. A I, lot, I, right? bet, I bet the sin he hates most is hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> because it reaches higher to him. I, mansplaining. He really, he's the only one who's allowed to mansplain. I guess, yeah, that's the case. But I have, a, I have a cute story about why, well, this also connects to paganism, but it goes along the idea of why lust is so dangerous to God. Can I tell you the, the origin of love? Sure. A little story called The Origin of Love. Oh, we're in Plato land. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you a story about why God or the gods may be so uh, scared of lust? Only if it's like a rhetorical device instead of an actual lesson. <laughs> I suppose it is. Because this is uh, from Plato's Symposium. Mm-hmm. And it also uh, is a song it informs a song in hedwig and the angry inch oh yes the origin of love now the gods grew quite scared of our strength and defiance and thor said i'm gonna kill them all with my hammer like i killed the giants Mm -hmm. so the story goes that in the in the very beginning of all of creation there were creatures that were essentially round blobs that had four arms, four legs, and two faces. Mm-hmm. And so they came, you know, they were different iterations. You had some that were marked as male and female. You mm-hmm. had some that were male, male. You had some that were female, female. And so they were happily going on about their lives, but they had a lot of power because they were these combined forces. And Zeus and the other gods started to get really concerned of the power of these creatures. And so they conspired different ways to try to separate them, to reduce their power. And so initially, 
Thor was going to. No, Mr. Bond, I want you to die. (laughs) That's right. I have this highly complicated. uh, (laughs) There's going to be there's going to be a pulley and there's going to be a ladder and there's going to be chutes and there's going to be alligators with lasers. (laughs) There's going to (laughs) be a chocolate (laughs) fountain. Victoria, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I deliberately derailed you. Please continue. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. It's well worth it. There probably was a chocolate fountain. So Thor tries, he thinks about destroying them with his hammer, but then Zeus says, no, 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 no. I want to split, like he was so angry. He wanted to split these uh, little creatures apart with lightning bolts. Mm -hmm. So he severed all of these creatures um, with his lightning bolts to reduce their power. And so again, they were kind of writhing on the face of their, they were writhing on the, on the face of the planets. And um, so he effectively and wrathfully destroyed these very powerful creatures. And so throughout time, then the whole, you know, we are constantly, because we were separated, we are constantly trying to find our other. So there's this gap in us that drives us to find our, our other from you know the the, per, the the other person that we were in, intertwined with, and so that is love, but it could also be you know it could be trans it could be considered lust as well because that takes us even further away from God or the gods. Despite their plan to reduce our power, actually, in doing so, they took us further away from them. So, if you meet your soulmate, yep. you gain great powers. Mm-hmm. It's like the mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. There's a speed dating event at the coffin in a couple of weeks. I think I'm going to sign up. Is there really? There is. Wait, at the coffin? It's goth speed dating. You're not invited. What? I'm going, I'm going by myself. Damn, because I mean, I don't. Yeah, like, I guess I, I'm not going to speed date. But also, little shout out to the coffin. There's their Valentine's Deadly Yours, which kind of vampire Yeah. Okay. 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 From, They're uh, really Valentine going more for the like pro love angle this year. It sounds like. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Different forms of love. Yes. Um, so the a frame narrative for the the symposia is yes. that it's a book about a bunch of chatty philosophers kind of trying to one up each other with ideas and stories. Mm-hmm. So. Like, is this a real idea? Is this a thought exercise? It's hard to tell. And also, I, you know, this actually isn't Plato's story. It is actually Aristophanes story, I think. Oh, right? okay. I think I got that one wrong. I think I think it, it's I think it's part of the symposium, but I think it's we'll have to look it up. But huh. um, and he's, he's a comedian. So, yeah, exactly. So but then, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other stories about that. But anywho. I was thinking the entire this entire like argument about lust is kind of like God made us a cake. Let's kick it over now sort of thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, gods hate love, apparently. But again, because we get lasers and I do. We, we have to get lasers. Yeah, you get mm-hmm. lasers. If you meet your soulmate, you get lasers. Freaking lasers. OK, mm-hmm. excellent. That's right. And also you get like one mechanical hand. <laughs> Wait. Do you both get one hand or the two of you get one hand? I think that's up for negotiation. I think there's mm. a whole packet of add-ons that you can choose. So just depends on the level you uh, sign up for. Reading from the uh, Catholic uh, Catechism website, 
uh, I found the single most like frustrating series of quotes about this entire messy nonsense. Mm -hmm. uh, the catechism says sexual pleasure is morally disordered when sought for itself, isolated from its procreative and unit purposes. Yeah. In our time, it is difficult to under underestimate the harm caused by the widespread tolerance and celebration of lust and promiscuity. This acceptance of premarital sex, fornication, cohabitation, abortion, and pornography has led to sexually transmitted diseases, AIDS, the sexualization, sexualizing of children, single motherhood, absentee fathers, teenage pregnancy, sexual confusion, divorce, and finally, the incalculable harm caused by the fact that more than half of children in the United States are not raised in normal family settings. Mm. Gasp. Wait, who's, who said this? Cat, the uh, Catechism.com, something like that. Okay, okay. Mm. I just, I liked the phrase, more than half are not normal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Also, mockery is a sin. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. There's some ways in which, like, I there are a couple of different stories that I found where lust, if reined in properly, can lead to a higher love. That would make a nice pick-me-up. Before we go back into Aristotle. Is that like... Not Aristotle, uh, Augustine, Augustine. Is that like having a wood stove? And if you really want your wood stove to be good, you, like, you, you restrict the air a little bit, you choke it down, and then you get, like, a really good warm winter fire at night? Yes, the, the emphasis on choke. Oh. <laughs> no, it's it's a lot more. Uh, uh, it's less deviant than you think, actually. The one story, the one of the stories that I have for you. Oh, okay. So this is in Phaedrus. It's a dialogue in Phaedrus. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, Plato's model of the soul in terms of the charioteer with two horses. Do you know about this? No, no. So there are two horses. Two horses live inside you. <laughs> <laughs> so one is this beautiful white horse that listens to its master that is, you know, follows everything like it, it, it behaves well. It's well-shaped, healthy, gorgeous horse, right? The other one is this black misshapen horse that cannot be controlled. I mean, no matter what you do to it, you could whip it, you can choke it. It will fight against you every step of the way. Okay. Have you heard the word feeging before? Yeah. Yes. What is it called? Feeging. F-E-A-G-U-E. To feeg. To make a horse sprightly by introducing ginger to its fundament. <laughs> I understood horse. <laughs> Please explain. Well, to sell a horse, you need a sprightly horse. To make a oh. horse sprightly without leaving external indications of why the horse is sprightly, you take either ginger or an eel and put it up its fundament. Oh. The dispatches does not exhort, endorse this. No. Well, nothing is put in any horse's fundament in this story. Okay. Okay. Do go on then. Okay. So let's say this charioteer and, and the, the object of desire in this story is that is a boy. So a beautiful, lovely boy. Okay. Is he over 18 and, at least? Sure. Let's, okay. let's please, 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 let's say he's over 18. I appreciate that. <laughs> he's over 18. Okay. So yes, this is a, this is, this is where we're getting into that territory. But so upon seeing this boy, the charioteer, both horse, like one horse listens to the charioteer, 
because because of the idea of it, it doesn't want to be shamed by lunging towards the boy, it follows the charioteer's uh, lead and restraining itself. The dark horse lunges forward, cannot be restrained, is pulling the charioteer towards the boy, towards the boy. And so it's actually part of the responsibility of the boy to also control this relationship, to bring it back to a place where the horse, the dark horse itself also starts to feel shame because by, by not wearing a horse costume, <laughs> it just throws it off. But the whole point of this is so, you know, the, there's the honor horse, the white horse, there's the lust horse, the shame horse, uh, the black, the dark horse. And so those two, like the restraint shown by the charioteer, the boy and the honor horse shames the lust horse into also restraining itself. And mm. so through this, then you can have the sort of honorable love, sort of exalted love that is the idea, the perfect, the perfect idea of love in this in 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 this little context, right? Between man and boy. Between a man, a boy, and two horses. <laughs> the best kind of love. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so it's not necessarily that there's that desire is the problem. It's just that there's a script that needs to be followed, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to like, you have to have the lust and then you have to have the restraint to pull that lust in before this perfect love can happen. Right. So both are there and both are part of the stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 Oh, so, yes. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. And there's another story like that where it's the same kind of idea. This is Socrates who claims that he learned this from an old priestess. This is also in the symposium, Diotima or Diotima. But again, it's the same idea, but with a staircase. So you have to kind of go through this struggle in order to achieve at the at the tippy top of the staircase, this perfect love that also not only is an appreciation of the beauty of an individual, but an appreciation of all beauty and then an appreciation of beautiful ideas. So lust is the necessary part of this process to this exalted love. It's like provides the energy for the drive. Yes. So, right. Like the most powerful oh. horse on that chariot is the lust horse because <laughs> it's the one that's propelling things forward. And there's like that tension that leads to this like perfect state. This, this is really useful. And I, I kind of want to stop here. I do want to like add one little thing kind of parallel ish, uh -huh. which I was reading about the story, the inside your two wolves thing. Mm -hmm. And like most people kind of stop and say, which one you want to be ruled by. But the rest of that passage that comes from is uh, you don't want to be ruled by either. You want to rule them. <gasps> Charioteer. Yeah. Well, also shadow magic and like the kind of the tension between dark and light and religion kind of is in that same boat as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is just an aside, but I went I went to the Internet when I first started researching this because it popped into my head. I thought. Okay, either the lovers, like in the tarot, either the lovers or the devil is the lust card. But turns out in the Toth deck, Toth deck, mm -hmm. yeah. strength is the lust card. Strength is the lust card. Yes. And I think it has, I mean, well, of course, there's all this like Crowley stuff sure. about what that means. <laughs> but in my mind, like the strength is that tension, right? So strength, lust, all of those things kind of work together. 
to create this exalted state. I, and that's in the Toth deck specifically. Yes. Maybe mm-hmm. we don't we don't entirely know. It is. Well, yeah, maybe in other decks too, but that's what I what's what popped up for I mean, me. Historically, strength is called fortitude, and in the Toth deck it's called lust. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Did yeah. not know. So is there a connection between original sin and lust? I feel like a case has been made. You would be talking about Augustine. I try to avoid it. (laughs) I know. We keep trying to avoid him because he's just up. He is. What's the right word? Um, He's. A church father. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He's a church father. He was very annoying. He's one of the most annoying uh, and problematic church fathers because a lot of everything that he came up with had to do with his own guilt, uh, at least in this one reading. But yes, he's the one who uh, came up with the whole idea that all sin in the world comes from the Garden of Eden through Adam. Oh, well, at least he's blaming you and I. You mean Eve, right? Well, yes, like, because oh, if mind. you think about, like, yeah, so Eve, right, because women are bad, but Adam's sin could be either, like, it could be fornication, oh. it's not, it's through yeah. Adam's semen, like his sperm. Yeah, you were telling us about this. Yes. So, but also, so it's not only, like, this whole sperm thing, but then there's also some question if they actually had sex in the Garden of Eden until the fall, not clear. I believe um, the Torah and I believe the uh, commentaries in the Torah answered that. Yes, and that was something I read said like, well, if there was, it was probably like a really nice handshake. Oh no, <laughs> no, no! It was, it was Adam <laughs> and all the animals, and that somehow represents the relationship between a rabbi and his flock. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll have to put a pin in that. <laughs> Come back to that later. <laughs> yes, but also there's a, a I don't know if but there's also this. The, possibility that the sin of adam was um, privileging eve over god so Mm. he went with his wife in this decision rather than doing what god told him to do so that aside augustine reason why we have this as our understanding of sin however however i found another reading of what actually is in his mind or what could be seen in a lot of his in a lot of his writings One of the reasons or one of the explanations for lust and this kind of separation from God is not fornication or sex. It's rhetoric. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to explain a little bit more? Yes. Tell us. If you follow Aristotle's life. So, you know, there's the whole story of he was a pagan beforehand, right? Um, He converted when he was about 29. So before that, he was a rhetorician, like he was all about words and, you know, um, about, you know, knew about, you know, like his, his God was Zeus. Um, <clears throat> he had found temptation looking at pictures of various, you know, sexual couplings of gods and goddesses and gods with everything. And, um, but the words were the most important thing to him. Okay. And so after he converted, he then turned on rhetoric as again, this lust 
rhetoric, you bitch. Exactly, because the rhetoric took him, that was where he was separate from God. Like rhetoric as this, you know, pagan, Greek or pre-Christian ideal, right, of culture, of ideas, took, that was what separated him from God. And so he blamed that for him being separate from God until his conversion, at which point it became all about the word. So you got the words to the word. I know too many big words. Mm-hmm. What a sinner am I? Yes. And so there's, you know, uh, I won't bore you with the details because I could see him already <laughs> testing your patients. But no, there was a, an article I read all about this. And I found it interesting, if not entirely convincing. Um, but yeah, in his writings, you can find a lot of criticism of rhetoric that does point towards it acting as a... Um, a cause for separation from God because you're privileging the world, the, you know, the, you're privileging the, um, the world of the mind over the world, the world of, of your relationship with God. Well, that was rebelling against his pagan past as well in a, in a hardcore way. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Totally. I mean, I can mm-hmm. see that as being part of his internal turmoil. Yep. 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 And plus the whole guilt <laughs> thing about, you know, leaving his, sending his uh, mistress and his child off to Africa. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No I would, would I would feel bad that. about that. Yes. <laughs> uh, I feel. Can I talk briefly about the the King of Lust, the Prince of Lust? Oh, please. Yes. Yeah, is it on... Prince? It's Prince. No. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe in an incarnation. Let's not rule that out. Okay. But no, mm-hmm. it is in fact Asmodeus. 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 Oh, Asmodeus. <laughs> uh, and this is established in the Lantern of Light, and also established in the Binsfeld hierarchy of demons. The Binsfield. The Binsfield, yeah, Big Bigby, which can, uh, is the one that connects. Both of these are the ideas that connect the seven deadlies to seven princes. And honestly, the connections are very kind of arbitrary. Uh, Lucifer and Satan are both listed in different categories. And Envy is tied to Leviathan, which, I mean, she's just a big fish. Mm, um, but who doesn't want to be a big fish? Am I right? I guess that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, you have said so many times, oh, Jacob, I want to be a big fish. I call you up at like three in the morning and and you say, Vic, what's wrong? And I say, I had that dream again, Jacob, where I was the really big fish. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then we cry together. <laughs> so Asmodeus is the prince of lust. No, I think historically Asmodeus, like the name comes from Ajme, which is like angel of wrath in uh, Zoroastrian early. Uh, so tying him to lust specifically is a little, I think, a little strange. But his main connection that like the through line of Christianity from uh, being like king of the jinn, king of the Shedim, is the book of Tobit. Tobit. Uh, which is a 200-ish BC book about the time of the Assyrian exile of the Jews in like 700, 800 or so BC. So the story of this book is that um, Tobias, who's the, who Tobit's son, uh, goes to get some money Tobit left in another country. Good kid, that. A bit dim. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, his, his, his dad left like 20 silver in Iran somewhere, and so he's going to get it. Uh, and he goes on a detour through Ekbantana, where right. he meets Sarah, who is a lovely lady who is tormented by Asmodeus. Mm. Uh, Asmodeus is in love with her and kills off all of her fiancés over and over again. I think there's probably seven of them. <laughs> the One seven. was named Sneezy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Toba, Tobias is very buddy buddy with Raphael, the archangel, and Raphael gives him uh, uh, suggestions on how to exercise Asmodeus, uh, which is also listed in the Testament of Solomon, which is to burn fish livers. Yeah, and what? the stinking of burning fish livers uh, drives away the demon, and it does work. And Tobias and Sarah get married. Um, in a later later stories, like in the more Testament of Solomon period, uh, Asmodeus is actually fairly nice as demons go. Kind of a little trickstery, maybe, but not a bad guy. But he does really kind of want Solomon's wives as well. Um, so there's that. And like post Winsfeld hierarchy, post Lantern of Light, uh, he's the main demon in the Ludon possessions, which have a strong lust element as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of his main story is he's um, this demon that lusted after someone's, lusted after the girl in a story. And from there, he becomes the prince of lust later on Ooh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. i not yeah you don't have to buy that one it's just it's just what happened okay okay what is your what is what it what is why did you react so strongly jamin i think it was the fish livers honestly <laughs> Dominic, so you would eat you would eat fish uh, livers. Yeah. I what was gonna say you would what a waste. love of organ meat. You know? and, they, and, and they would drive me out of the room. <laughs> no, now that you say it that way, the whole story does make sense, actually. It's right, like, right, right. It's, it's you know, it's just like it's like organ cooking. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, that's another st- I mean if we think about, you know, a non-human lusting after human as kind of creating another kind of fall then you also have the watchers and mm. all kinds of other stories that kind of fit into this mode. oh that's true yeah mm-hmm. kind of the connection of like sex and disobedience does have a through line to again the like version times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, yep you have you have again like the normalization where if you have a human lusting after a non-human, it's a perversion or sin. But if you have a non-human lusting after a human, it's a something. It's a potential tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Greek and Roman mythology. Right. Yeah, well, Line. Yeah. <laughs> Line. Uh huh. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. It is ha- kind of a it has to be one way, but it can't be the other. Right. Hmm. Um. Shall we ultimately move on to greed soon? Oh yeah. Do we so yeah, we've got we got five more, unless we want to isn't there an eighth? What was the original eighth before Gregory um, made it seven? Oh yeah. Well we'll probably have an episode on the on the surprise sins. Uh, oh yeah, a, surprise. Yeah. The yeah. missing sins. <laughs> right. Sin roulette. <laughs> um a, a sin oh, what is it? Popery sin puri? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that, in Jeopardy, there's the potpourri category. Oh, right, 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 right. Which right, right. is kind of weird miscellaneous stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. I had forgotten uh, that. But I think we uh-huh. work through the sins of the body towards the sins of the spirit. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in, until then, dear listeners, uh, start we'll saving. You, we'll see you in hell. <laughs> Oh, sexy people. (laughs) 
This podcast is copyright 2023 by The Dispatchist and is Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.